out of a crypt they crawl, I cannot tell. But every night, I see the rubbery things. Black, horned, and slender, with membranous wings. They come in legions on the north wind swell, with obscene clutch that titillates and stings. Snatching me off on monstrous voyagings to great worlds hidden deep in nightmares well. Over the jagged peaks of fog they sweep, heedless of all the cries I try to make, and down the nether pits to that foul lake, where the puffeth shoggoth splash in doubtful sleep. But oh, if only they would make some sound, or wear a face, where faces should be found. And I'm just, <laughs> and then I'm talking. <laughs> no, but wait, wait! I have something for him. Boom! You get shot down. Now you just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales Podcast. I am your host, Moses Sorry, and sitting in front of me is my brother, Josh. Yep. And today, what we are going to do is travel back to Innsmouth for some Eldridge horror. So, Howard Philip Lovecraft is probably the most important and influential author of supernatural horror of the last hundred years. Many of his stories took place in an imaginary area of Boston, Massachusetts called Lovecraft Country, where the infamous short towns of Arkham, Innsmouth, Kingsport, and Dunwich lie, while others take place in the cosmic vistas of the unknown, where monsters roam planes beyond time and space. And that is the topic for today's episode, Monsters. Today we're going to be talking about a few of Lovecraft's monsters, the stories in which these monsters come out in, and then we're going to rate them not only from least to scary, but which of these monsters were supreme in a celebrity deathmatch kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But before we get started, I want to give a shout out to our lovely listener, Connor, who made the suggestion for today's episode. Connor, Connor. So thank you, Connor, for not only making my life easier for suggesting this episode, but for having me dust off my old Lovecraft books and reread some of my old, you know, some of my favorite stories. So without further ado, let's jump in. Let's uh, butcher these monsters. <laughs> So the poem you heard at the beginning of the episode, by yours truly, is the very first literary appearance of Lovecraft's Night Gaunt. The poem was one of 36 poems that made up his Fungi from Yogath sequence, 
which was a series that told the events of a man who finds an ancient book full of forgotten knowledge that allows anyone with this information the ability to travel from one reality to another, from one plane of existence to the next, to the stranger parts of the universe. And while this was the first time Lovecraft wrote about them, this isn't where they first appeared, hmm. which makes them all that much more scary, at least to me. But when Lovecraft was five years old, he had not one, but a series of nightmares where he was abducted by these horrible, like, night guns. Which to think is fucked up, but I think we're all glad that he was haunted by these fucking creatures known as the night guns. Now, night guns, let's grab these sons of bitches, right? They are known to be tall, slender, black humanoids. Now, if you haven't seen... These night gaunts. All right, I'm describing these to you. And for those who know how these gaunt, these night gaunts look, they are pretty much creepy. And, and it's not the looks themselves that make it creepy. Obviously, that's one aspect. But you'll heal the rest of it right now, which trips me the fuck out. All right, so they have this like tough, leathery skin, right? They got these bat, huge bat wings, huge, huge. And again, they look like they're made out of rubber. That's what's creepy. Now, when you see or hear the word rubber, I don't know about you, but I get that smell as well. Oh, like tires. Yeah, smell. so, so or, or, or leather, yeah. yeah, right, mixed with fucking ass. I'm pretty sure these fucking demons don't smell that good. They don't. They don't. They don't. And, as a surprise, like every fucking monster, they do have fucking talons huge ass talons in their hands right and according like they tickle their enemies with these talons quote unquote they don't they fucking butcher the fuck out of them no they, they actually in lovecraft's dreams they tickled him they tickled him and they and he they they some so i don't know if you get into it about what they do to the people they they they, they capture in the stories if they capture a human uh -huh. what they would do is they would tickle them until they pass out yeah so they'd fly you into space or whatever from one plane to another. And as you're trying to escape, they'll just tickle you with their tail. And some somehow the sensation would just knock you out. So I think they're also called the tickled monster. The tickling monster. Yeah. The tickling beast. Which I'm going to get into a little later why that's a little horrible. Why that's more horrible than what it sounds like. First of all, if you're ticklish and you can't get out of a tickle situation, that's pretty fucking bad. And that's what these motherfuckers do. They tickle you until submission. Until either you submit or you knock out out now this is what makes them creepy in my perspective right besides their looks right they are silent in every way in every aspect not just the motions right when they move nothing they can't talk right first of all they don't have a face yeah they don't have a right? face that's what makes it creepy as well where there should be a face it's nothing but just pitch black just black no eyes nothing 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 which to me is not that creepy some people are scared of that, or just a blank face. Uh, I fuck around, I might draw a face on that motherfucker, you know? Put some Google, put some googly eyes on there. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so that, so that's what might start to make them a lot more scary, right? Because one, they're right. If you don't see them, right, <laughs> and then you're obviously not gonna hear them. Yeah, because right? like, only you can actually quote unquote see them. So the way so Lovecraft describes them, and I. And you heard it in the poem, which I opened the episode with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They are they the leather is like the texture of a whale. That's what that's that's what the, that's how Lovecraft describes as leathery, like 
like how they would feel like like yeah. wet like a whale like a dolphin yeah. which is like common for all these Lovecraftian monsters yeah. for the most part you get this texture yeah. of like leather fucking rubbery and and yeah. they are so dark so black that there's no that they're, they're describing some stories where if you're looking up into the sky and the sky is riddled with stars all if they fly over you you won't see their shape you won't hear them all you would see is them covering the star that you're looking at you won't see a shape it's just like yeah just a that's it i'm like fuck that's you can't hear them you can't see them that's, there's no way to, how, how do you escape from that i also read that that they're they're scared of flying over water do you know anything about this they might only because of the poem where they fly over the lake over shoggoths and shoggoths these oh. massive creatures that sleep in the in the fucking water and they just start while they sleep, they're just having a nightmare, so they're just tossing their huge tentacles into the air. I'm uh, assuming, so I'm probably sure these motherfuckers are flying low and just whack, get hit, and get fall and fall into the water and just die. Die. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. Either that or just and other gods and other creatures from the water. That because yeah. we humans can't sense them. Yeah, we can't. Right. So maybe so that other creatures yeah. can, and they're like easy targets, right? And, and it's also probably oh, let's take a monster. Whack. It's probably because Lovecraft just hated the sea in general. <clears throat> So he's, okay. So he's yeah. just like, yeah. There's a lot of things he hated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, that's like the brief description of what the night gaunt is. Are, and so there's speculation that the nightmares were brought on by the death of his grandfather, who, as some of you may know, was a huge influence on Lovecraft growing up. Yeah, nightmares so traumatic that Lovecraft used them in his writings. When creating his universe. Yeah, what, after these nightmares, he'll, what, he wouldn't be able to sleep yeah, for, yeah, like, for two days. Yeah, for days at a time. Yeah, just they were just so panic-inducing. And apparently vivid and real. Yeah, so all, yeah, all of these were, like, lucid dreams. He said, he I had a fucked them. up child. He had a whole fucked up life. Yeah. yeah. He had a, he, I mean, he, yeah, he had a rough kind of. Yeah. So, back to the whole tickling sequence thing. So yeah. let's put ourselves in five-year-old Lovecraft's shoes and let's address the whole, you know, tickling motive oh boy. of the night gun. Because as an adult, tickling at its worst is annoying. The worst thing tickling could do is just annoy the fuck out of you. Mm-hmm. Are you ticklish? I'm not. Bullshit. Not. Probably be, there has to be like a specific spot. You know, how, you know how some people that no matter where you, whether it's oh. the knee, they're just completely ticklish. Okay. Yeah. Not. Yeah. yeah. Do you get tickled by a feather? No. Feathers and none of that. None of that bullshit. Damn, be a man, huh? <laughs> be a man, don't get tickled. So, so you know, so as an adult, tickling at its worst is just annoying. Mm-hmm. Tickling is almost all... So, you know, as an adult, tickling at its worst is annoying. But as a child, tickling is almost always unwanted. And the unconsented touching always leaves you, a kid, gasping for air. So a child cannot really resist being picked up by an adult and being tickled. And in Lovecraft stories, a victim in the claws of a night gaunt is helpless. 
So that's where Glovecraft draws this parallel being like being tickled is like the worst thing you could do. Because even if you're a kid, if you don't like being fucking tickled, you could see the joy in the your parents' face. So you at least know, all right, this okay, is I'm not dangerous. dying. Yeah. But imagine this creature with no face tickling you. You fucking don't know horns, you don't know inward what, horns. Yeah, you don't know what expression it has. So you're like, oh fuck. So as a five year old fucking Lovecraft, it's like that's the worst thing you could you can fucking do to me. Yeah. One of the worst things you can do. And the night guns, you know, they appear in the, you know, so like they first appeared in the fungi from the fungi from Yagath, but they were really fleshed out in the story, the dream quest of unknown Kadath. The night gone served a literal slave like role to the elder gods. And they are no more than just like flunkies or thugs. So in this story, they're just like, just the thugs of this elder god, specifically Azathoth. So in the Dream Quest the story, our main character, Randolph Carter, he keeps seeing this majestic city in his dreams. And eventually he stops seeing the city, and he's like, fuck it, let me go on a quest to find this city. Hence, the Dream Quest. So this quest to find this legendary city, this legendary city, takes him... To the moon as he's kidnapped by Nearlathotep's moon beasts, an, an outer god that we're going to talk about a little later. But he is saved by cannibalistic cats. <laughs> what? And is then kidnapped <clears throat> again by the night gods and is taken to the underworld. So this is this dream quest of Unknown Kadath. This is part of Lovecraft's dream cycle. So he has different kinds of stories. He has the dream cycle where his stories... They always deal in dreams, which is why they're fucking crazy. Like, you know, dreams, they make no sense. They don't. So this one is my- And I hate them because it makes sense in the dream. Yeah, yeah. And then you wake up, you're like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. This, like, this plot of the story, like, you know what? I'm dreaming of the city. Let me go find it. Oh, it's at the moon. You get kidnapped by moon beasts. And, oh. as, and as you're about to die, these cannibalistic- oh, these cute ca- kitties. These kid- yeah, they come and rescue you, take you to Earth. And once you get to Earth, the fucking night gods grab you from Earth and take you to the underworld. Good times. <laughs> so this is Good how times. this is how Lovecraft described them in the Dream Quest um, story. But Carter preferred to look at them than at his captors, which were indeed shocking and uncouth black things with smooth, oily, whale-like surfaces unpleasant horns that curved inward toward each other bat wings whose beating made no sound ugly prehensile paws and barbed tails that lashed needlessly and disquietingly and worst of all they never spoke or laughed they never smiled because they had no faces at all to smile with but only a suggestive blankness where a face ought to be. All they ever did was clutch, fly, and tickle. That was the way of the night cons. So, like, Lovecraft is like, bro, these motherfuckers, they grab you, not only do they grab you, but you're in the air, and they'll tickle the <clears throat> shit out. So you can tell Lovecraft hated being tickled. This motherfucker hated being tickled. They're evil. They look evil, and when they grab you, they will tickle you. So the Dream Quest That's was written. The Dream Quest was written in 1926, but it was never finalized, like many of the <clears> stories. <throat> yeah, never finalized. 
never unrevised, and unpublished during his lifetime until 1943. So the story we have, which is a really good story, is literally the first draft, which is kind of, which is like a two-sided coin. Like, fuck, we didn't even get the final. This is just how, how he thought the story well, was going to start. He wrote, yeah. bam. But it's also a testament to Lovecraft and his writing. Mm-hmm. Now, now do you think you could fuck up a nightgown? 1v1, one-on-one. One v one, his tickles against your. Uh, what you got? <laughs> you know what the fuck you got? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck you got. Or, or how about the tickle monster against someone who never gets tickled? I mean, they'll still carry you. They just won't be able to. Not <laughs> fuck! It, I'm just gonna carry him, drop his ass. All right, fuck it. Just drop him in the lake, in the lake in the palm, the, mm. the lake where the shoggoths are. Mm. I don't know. Nikons are fucking like that's the part that's that's really scary. Them that made them scary for me, which is why I chose them for this little segment. That he didn't make them up. That he saw them in his dreams. dreams. Yeah. He came to them not once, <laughs> twice, but several times as a child. Yeah. That's what makes them fucking scary. The fact that it's like he remembers them and then he makes them like these creatures and the stories. You're like fuck, which is crazy because. Usually when, when you're dreaming, right, you create these things from from already, from things you already know. Yeah, you're like piece they're pieced yeah, together. Yeah, so in your subconscious you know these things is it and you piece them together. Right? He was a kid. So it makes you wonder, he saw some shit, or these are legit creatures that were literally haunting him in his sleep. Which is crazy. Yeah, so those are the night gowns. To me, those are one of the scariest ones, just because of the fact that they came to him as a dream. Yeah, yeah. Another <clears throat> elder god that we're gonna talk about is the daughter of Lovecraft's most famous monster, and I'm talking about Cthulhu. Fucking Cthulhu, Cthulhu, Cthulhu. The daughter of who? Uh, A.K.A. Cthulhu. 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 There it is, Cthulhu. Now, like daughter, like father, right? The way they look, kind of similar. Instead of being green, like the father, she's red. She looks like an octopus. Literally, just picture Cthulhu without the body. It's just yeah. the, it's just the head so and, and add wings and add wings to her. Yeah, little baby wings yeah. on her back. She has six eyes. She has eight. I guess arms or octopus tentacles, limbs or whatever, right? And just like her father, she's able to change her body propulsions at will. So, again, she's born with these baby wings, but if she needs to fly, she can make them huge, big as fuck, and then she's able to fly. Not only that, right? Normally, so she has eight arms. Not only that, she has the power to, you know, to extrude or come up more limbs. She could take out more limbs. So she's known to have eight, but there's stories and stuff where they witness her having 12. Oh, shit. Yeah. Imagine you're going to fight somebody, and then I know they just grow four more arms. You're like, fuck. It's... <laughs> what do you do? Tap out. Man, I ain't fighting with champ. Fuck you. <laughs> 
And just like every other fucking monster, whoever has fucking limbs, it comes with fucking claws, razor sharp claws. Like oh, so each monster. tentacle has its yeah. claw. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. I didn't yeah, see that. Yeah, yeah. And, and guess how long these claws are? I mean, I'm assuming they could grow, but stock, okay. like at yeah, a normal stock, size? Stock, 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 stock. I don't know, like a foot, two feet? Right? You would think it would be pretty huge. Yeah. yeah, it's five inches. That's huge. That's pretty big, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. That's pretty big. And not only that, um, there's other accounts and other stories of of seeing her in another form. Now, there's two ways on it, two views on it. They're saying she could shapeshift into human form, but they're saying that's just her avatar, right? So this is what she looks. Default, fresh off the toy factory, right? Octopus, eight legs, baby wings, red as fuck, and uh, with six eyes. But then they've seen in stories and stuff, they've seen her as in a human form. But some are saying that's just an avatar. Because there's some gods out there yeah, who have, have these avatars. Yeah. So that's uh, that's Cthulhu for you. Yeah, so like, my, you know, like my messenger said, Cthulhu, she's the youngest daughter of Cthulhu. And her first appearance came in the transition of Titus Crow, which is... So, Cthulhu is the first monster that we're talking about that was not created by Lovecraft. Mm-hmm, Cthulhu mm-hmm. was made year, maybe 50 years after Lovecraft's death. I think Cthulhu 91, was first, I think? like 91, 92 around yeah. there. So, she's one, a recent Elder God. Yeah. So, Cthulhu has no... So she was new to the to the Cthulhu to the mythos. mythos. But yeah. she's very important. Well, yeah, she's fucking yeah, important. So, in the transition of Titus Crow, which is the second novel in a six-novel series that followed the main protagonist... Titus Crow, who was originally an occultist with extensive knowledge on everything from history to creatures to even motivations of the great old ones, which he dedicates his life to, stopping the schemes of the great old ones as well. So in the transition of Titus Crow, the story picks up immediately after it's revealed that he is instant transitioned himself out of Ithaqua and harm's way. I'll mention Ithaqua a little later, but just for the sake of, you guys know what I'm talking about with Thakwa, uh-huh. is a great old one created by August Derleth, who we can credit for, who is responsible, solely responsible for Lovecraft being alive today. He, we have to thank him for keeping Lovecraft's mythos alive, literally and figuratively. And Thakwa is this huge, banshee-looking elder god who lives in like the most remote areas of the Arctic, right? So in the second book, Titus Crow. So the first book ends with Titus Crow fighting Ithaqua. You think he's going to die. Uh-huh. That's where it ends. Cliffhanger. Second book comes out. You realize he doesn't die. He just instant transmissions himself. He somehow teleports himself to a different plane of existence. Hmm. And he finds himself lost in space. And he finds this robot on the moon who heals him. And it is here where the robot tells Titus Crow about all the old ones who hate him and who hate the robot or hate him the himself. robot's telling titus crow because titus crow's mission is to stop all the elder <coughs> ones yeah his the great old ones cthulhu everyone he wants to stop them on earth or just in general well so i'm gonna mention a little later but uh, the great okay, okay. The, the elder ones are only they only live in so it's elder and outer gods uh-huh. when you listen up when, when you lift when you read lovecraft you're gonna hear outer gods elder gods and the great old ones over and over and over again Great old ones and elder gods are just earth-based Cthulhu monsters. 
I mean, Lovecraft monsters. Outer gods, like in the name, they're out in space. Mm. Right? So, Ithaqua, so this so this robot's telling Titus Crow's giving him a list of all the elder gods who do not like him. They're like, all right, Cthulhu don't like you. Ithaqua don't like you. And here they mention... <laughs> and I quote from Cthulhu. Man, fuck that Titus Crow. <laughs> so, here nice. he mentions Cthulhu and his offspring. You know, he doesn't mention the name Cthulhu. He mentions offspring. the offspring. That's what he yeah. first mentioned. But which is so this book comes out in the 1970s, the transition of Titus Crow. Yeah. So this is where we first get the mention of Cthulhu, Cthulhu's uh, offspring of of Cthulhu. Yeah. But her first appearance happens 20 years later in 1997. So we we're a few years oh, off. Okay, 97. In the I think perfectly titled in his daughter's darkling womb. It sounds like a fucking uh, credit of filth song title. So this is where we first get a fleshed out Cthulhu. So in the story, Dr. Catherine Collum, which who, who's the head of an expedition financed by Arkham Industries, they have what they think they captured a 50-foot octo- octopoid creature. They yeah. think, oh, we, discovered, we, we captured this new race of octopus, 50-foot, big head, wings, whatever. So Cthulhu is held in a tank, and Dr. Collum and her team they're aware of Cthulhu. They know about the Cthulhu. So they're like, oh, let's just call her Cthulhu. Then being a fucking smart, like, you know, smart assholes or smart asses. Like, oh, Cthulhu, you know, oh, it'll be cute. We call it Cthulhu. Not knowing that it, it really is fucking Lovecraft. <coughs> Cthulhu's yeah. daughter. So during the story, the reader and the team find out that Cthulhu is an actual intelligent creature. It has numerous abilities, but it eats like a motherfucker. 100 pounds of fish a day. Damn. So the team then decides... You know what? Let's see what happens if we get this fucking big ass octopus creature, the first of its kind that we've ever seen, pregnant. And so they create this huge robot octopus thing that cream pies Cthulhu's daughter. And this is when things start to get weirder aboard the ship. Cthulhu's daughter's pregnant, the lady becomes pregnant. I'm not gonna give up the whole fucking story, of, you know, the, the whole, whole spiel. Of the story, but that's what Cthulhu—that's what the Cthulhu's name comes from, <clears throat> from the story in his daughter's dark room. That's the first time she's mentioned by name. Also, there's this amazing-looking game called Sinking City, which is what I was—I showed my brother a few clips of it, and the whole game. Did I show you? No, I didn't. I just—I just told you about it. Yeah, but but, but you've probably seen it. Yeah, I know of it. I know yeah, of so it. it's fucking so Sinking City. So when I was doing research for Cthulhu, so this this video game this computer this pc game revolves around Cthulhu, and it's an open world game that's a cross between la noir if you guys remember that fucking beautiful game la so it's a cross between like la noir and like arkham knight but in the world of lovecraft so check that out if you guys want you know if you guys want to see more but one like my brother mentioned one of the key things one, one thing that's important about Cthulhu is her purpose her role mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. Cthulhu just didn't have a daughter for the sake of having a daughter. Cthulhu, he's a man of that. He's a, he's a man of a thousand plans. He knows what he's doing. He, he comes up with plan A, B, C, and D. So he's like, you know what? I need a backup plan. I need a backup plan. So what Cthulhu literally is, is basically Cthulhu, Cthulhu's backup drive. So if something would happen to Cthulhu and he drives, Cthulhu would be able to give birth to Cthulhu again. So she's like his like 
second life, his lifeline. I don't know what you what, what, what you would want to call it, but Cthulhu's like his Horcrux, maybe for Harry Potter nerds. If you just want to understand a little more, yeah. Like oh, if he I, dies, shit. If do we reference uh, our Yu Gi Oh nerds, fucking Monster Reborn or Call of the Haunted? Call, call, it's Call of the Haunted because if you kill Cthulhu, yeah, you kill Cthulhu. So if you space that Call of the Haunted, uh, you're going back to the graveyard. Yes, yes, that is true. You know, so that's you know that's basically it for Cthulhu, which is. Which, when doing research for this, I didn't. I had no idea that Cthulhu had daughters or had children in general. And then while doing research for this, I fucking learned a shitload. Mm. And I learned a lot more about this next god that we're talking about. It's the first outer god that we're going to talk about. And it's one of my favorite ones. And it, it was my favorite for a long time. And now, after doing a little more research back, learning more about it, it's cemented. He's like my favorite fucking eldritch <laughs> fucking outer god i'm talking about the one the only near lethotep and at the last from inner egypt came the strange dark one to whom the fellas bowed, silent and lean and cryptically proud, and wrapped in fabrics red as sunset flame. Throngs pressed around, frantic for his commands, believing could not tell what they had heard. While through the nation spread the awestruck word that wild beasts followed him and licked his hands. Soon from the sea a noxious birth began. Forgotten lands with weedy spires of gold. The ground was cleft and mad auroras rolled. Down on the quaking citadels of man. Then crushing what he chanced to mold in play. The idiot chaos blew Earth's dust away. I have to say that so slow to pronounce it right. It's Niar Lethotep. Niar Lethotep, yep. Niar Lethotep. Niar Lethotep. Fuck! So Niar Lethotep, or the crawling chaos, as he is sometimes referred to, is a really special and interesting god when talking about the elder and outer gods and not only Lovecraft's work but in the Cthulhu mythos as a whole. Almost identical to the night gods, Neolithotep not only appeared to Lovecraft in his dreams but his first appearance also came in poem form in the fungi from Yogis. Now this guy, like you said, he's he's uh he's different. Right? He's different from your outer typical outer gods. He's different from both like he's like well, he's different yeah. just overall. Yeah, over, yeah, he he really is. He's he's a weird creature. I, now describing him, his form, it will be it'll take a while. Cause he has a lot of yeah, he, forms. Cause one of his powers is shape shifting. Yeah. Okay. But the way Lovecraft described him at one point, 
was he was just a tall black man that could be thought and looked as a pharaoh. That's yeah. how he first described him, right? But that's one of his forms that he could take, right? Which is weird because as a shapeshifter, right, he likes to fuck around with humans. He does because which which is really which which is which what I thought when I first read about Neolithotep, he didn't make sense to me because Lovecraft with his gods, there is this like we don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. The the, yeah. the way to look at the way there's no evil or bad when it comes to Lovecraft's gods. They aren't. The way to look crap the way to look at these elder and outer gods is they're not good. They're not evil. They don't give a fuck about us. Looking at them is like looking at the ocean. The ocean could be calm one day and it could be a fucking storm the next. The ocean does not give a fuck if you are a five year old, if you're pregnant, if you're at the wrong place at the wrong time, you're done you get got you got got and that's got how got. and that's how these lovecraft creatures operate you know they operate as they just do their own thing what happens happens they have they're not hell-bent on revenge they don't have plans to take over the world it's just they are these huge gigantic creatures who look at us the way we look at ants mm-hmm. ants do not factor into anything we do in our day-to-day lives which is what we are to these outer elder and outer gods and that's what made Neolithotep interesting because he's an outer god that fucks with that fucks with humanity and gods as well literally yeah he yeah, yeah he, he messes he's he's hence the, the name hence the name the crawling chaos but yes you're right what but uh, i don't know if you're gonna so if you're like what the fuck well, what does he look like one of his yeah. most fame one of his most famous forms my brother mentioned is the black pharaoh but he also has this tentacled form that most people use when use when talking about Neolithotep. He has a thousand forms, but when they talk about him, when they see him in stories, they describe basically think of Patrick from fucking SpongeBob. Yeah. He's built like he just taller, right? He's slender. So he has the longer neck. He looks like a star, kind of longer neck. If long tentacled arms, tentacled legs, and he has little tentacles pouring everywhere and he has a big he has a large mouth and the mouth is basically just like an octopus's mouth yeah circular with teeth and when i was doing re- when i was doing research and when i was looking at this if you guys are fans of the of, of the fps game back for blood it kind of looks like a snitcher the long neck kinda, and it's yeah, kind of yeah. like yeah. squiggly that's how i would picture him moving in that form just like but yeah so that's what his fame that's it's just not that slow or that picture. or that small yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But continue. See about that. It's crazy because that's one of the forms he's seen him in. Yeah. And the thing about this guy, right? He could shape shift not only into humans and stuff. He could shape shift and have qualities of different gods. I don't know if you're going to get into that. No, I'm not. But he had whatever shape, whatever he transforms to, right? That's why they call him kind of. Like he's he's dangerous, yeah. Because whatever he transforms to or whatever he has, he develops the powers with it as well. So that's what makes him a little bit more scary. And he's scary, and, and and he's scary, and he's also scary because he's like present. 
Like Cthulhu yeah. and these creatures, they're just doing their thing. They don't, they don't know, they don't know where they're at. They don't care where they're at. If they, if they need to go for, you know, I'm just talking on my ass. But if Cthulhu just needs to wake up and stretch, he doesn't care if he stretches and he hits a fucking city. He just, you know, that's what he does. Stretches <clears throat> and he goes back to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's how insignificant we are. But Nyarlathotep, he would literally fuck with elder and with elder and outer gods, trick them to get advantages for himself. Which he, is which is unreal as as yeah. as as a god as an yeah. outer god, yeah. He has like this low key quad, like literally low key from you know low from, key, yeah, from from um Celtic and you know that he has that that trickster quality to him, trickery that motherfucker, yeah. that tricky yeah. dick. <laughs> yeah, and what makes it more tricky is <laughs> well played by this guy, right? Near Lethotep, he transforms himself right into the most like lovable and like handsome and joyous human so that's what makes it even more fucked up it, what gives him more feel to his nickname right the crawling chaos because he loves chaos right nice. you, 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 you see a handsome funny and fucking um joyful dude right or individual you get attracted to him and you trust him and that's what this thing wants he wants you to trust you so he can fuck with you and and he doesn't care about death as other gods, right? Yeah. Other elder, whatever they death is like. Mm. Yeah. This guy is like no, chaos is what I want, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he enjoys it. So and yeah, he gets the crawling chaos. My brother said he he messes with humans, and in some stories, he helps he helps humans out, and somehow ends up fucking up other elder gods. He's creating chaos for everybody. He doesn't care if you who no you one's are. Safe. No yeah, one's safe. No one's safe, and that's what makes Neolithotep like so special. And what and what we mean by he's different from other gods, whether they be outer or other gods, if you don't know the difference of the two, I kind of mentioned it a little bit. Um, outer gods are cosmically stationed. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> they live among the stars and are far beyond the mortal reaches of Earth. We cannot see them anything. They are powerful beings whose mere movements or thoughts influence all of infinite space. These creatures are so big that a yawn creates a million black holes. That's how these creatures exist. A few of these outer gods are unfathomably large, that they live in the outer void, outside of thought and existence, Beyond time and space. Like Azathoth, who we're going to mention a little later. They are malignant creators that act out unconsciously. They are utterly beyond human comprehension and are malevolent and uncaring toward us. There's a there's a misconception regarding out, outer and outer gods and them being seen by humans. Mainly because no one's really been consistent with it. Like in the Mountains of Madness, for example, we have scientists dissecting elder gods. And they don't go mad. But then in the same story, someone goes mad because they see something scary in the abandoned city. So no one's really been... No one's um, consistent. But for the most part, humans don't go insane by the sight of them. But they snap under the sheer pressure and weight 
of what they are experiencing. Someone once described it as an exaggerated overreaction of the body to a traumatic event. Damn. That's you, it's on, uh, yeah you just, uh, and, the, and and some and of these you die. and some of these elder gods I mean outer gods Azahoth, Yaxahoth, and you know Lethetep. It's like it's like having a big dick energy times one hundred. Yeah, and then we have the great old ones or the elder gods. Mm-hmm. These are not to be confused with the elder gods because they only dwell here on Earth. They don't live in space or outside of space or in the dark corners of outer voids. To us humans, they are what we think of when we think of gods. Except these gods, they don't give two shits about us. Unlike the outer gods, we can interact with the great old ones, with these elder ones. Even though we don't understand what they are. And I mean that in the literal sense. Like our brains do the soft reboots at the mere sight of them. We kind of get like, wait, what the, what, what the fuck? And just reboot and you're like, wait, what? And you're confused. So to summarize all of that, outer gods live in the ghetto parts of space, and great old ones live on Earth, a Cthulhu or a Thakwa or Cthulhu, who we mentioned earlier. So now that you know the difference between both of the great old ones and outer gods, now we can go talking about how special Neon, Neon Lethetep is. He's considered, like we said, he's considered an outer god. But he's not exiled to the stars like they are. Everyone else stays in the star, and that's how that's where they are. Yep. different because he's um, almost he's always literally here on Earth. If he's not here on Earth, he's making a deal with Azathoth or with an elder god, and then immediately he just comes just right back. <clears throat> Most of the outer gods they have their cults serving them. They have cults, but Neonrathotep doesn't, and he's kind of all over the place. Sometimes he is, like we mentioned, help, seen, helping seeing others like Azathoth in the dream quest of Anum Kadath. And almost all gods, they use alien language. But, you know, Lethotep, for whatever reason, he learned human language and he's able to communicate with us. It's like us learning how to talk ant. Like, why? It's not going to help you at all. But fucking, you know, Lethotep did it. Like we mentioned, like we mentioned a little earlier, one of his coolest forms which is still under the tall, slim, happy man, is when he disguises himself as an ancient pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And in the song that you just heard, Nyarlathotep wanders the earth, gathering legions of followers, through him showing off his strange and magical instruments. The narrator being one of them. They all lose awareness of the world around them and through... The narrator's unreliable accounts, us the reader, start getting the start receiving start getting the sense that the world is collapsing due to Nyarlathotep's influence. You telling me this motherfucker's a bard? With the story ending with the narrator now becoming one of the many of the servants in Nyarlathotep's army. Hmm. But yeah, he's basically a bard. And um, Will Murray, uh, Will Murray, who's a novelist, journalist, comic book writer, yeah. and he, you know he's a creator of um, Squirrel Girl, along you know the great legendary Steve Ditko. He has an interesting he has an interesting take on some of the inspiration behind Neolithotep. Hmm. He suggests that Neolithotep 
may have been influenced by the inventor Nikola Tesla. Who Nikola Tesla, he would go from town to town. He would have these lectures that he involved involved extraordinary experiments with electrical apparatuses. And many saw him as a sinister figure, a sinister showman, which is what Neon Lethotep did. He, he, but that's how he, he got, got his influence here on Earth. He came to Earth, tranced everybody with his magical instruments, and slow. Some people thought he was evil. Some people thought he was He's cool. Yeah, and then that's how they ended up following him. <clears throat> I'm like, damn, that's fucking interesting as shit. Because I, I didn't, it didn't dawn on me. But yeah, Nikola Tesla and Lovecraft were alive at the same time. So Lovecraft. Literally went to go see Nikola, Nikola Tesla. He went to one of his lectures. Uh-huh. And another, and another like interesting thing, um, uh, another writer said about Neon Lethotep is Robert M. Price, who I he, he, I love this man, Robert M. Price. He is so enthusiastic about Lovecraft and the mythos, from anything Lovecraft wrote to the most near it to the. To the most newest shit that came out last week. If it's Lovecraft and it has that sen- that Lovecraft sensibility, yeah. he's all for it. And he has his and he has his, and Excuse me. I've been listening to him since two thousand around 2013, 2014. No, like 14, 15. He has he had a podcast back then. It's called The Lovecraft Geek. Right? And what he would do is he would just answer people's questions and just listening to them talk. It'll be live? No, he has uh, he has an email where you oh, okay, people, okay, okay. People, yeah, because he's a biblical scholar. His hmm. his thing is the study of the Bible. I think he's I'm almost positive he's atheist, but he loves the Bible. He just loves it. like it's a magnificent story, and he breaks everything down. He has huge lectures. He's he's super nerdy. Like he builds he's built his own Marvel action figures out of other Marvel figures. Amazing, and every time I listen to him, I get renewed. I'm like. I need to go read some Lovecraft. I need to listen to some. Like his enthusiasm just <clears throat> refuels me. It's just like he's just. This is why I love yeah, Lovecraft. Yeah. yeah so yeah, okay, okay, okay. When we were preparing for this episode, you know, me and my brother, you know, we're, we were being Mexicans this weekend and working with my dad, and that's what I was listening to the whole time, preparing for this episode, listening to. Robert oh, is Empire's. that what you were fucking? I was like, hey, get your stupid ass over here. You're just, I was like, just lost. I was in lost. fucking. Oh, oh. I was with fucking Yarlathotep somewhere in space. Yeah. Yeah, but Robert and Price, he also has a theory about where the name Nyarlathotep may have come from. Ah. And it may have come from Lovecraft's biggest influence, Lord Dunsany. Lord who? Dunsany. Dunsany. He's another writer. And so, a prophet from Lord Dunsany's The Gods of Pagana is named Alcherath Hotep. Alcherath Hotep. Alcherath Hotep. And in his other story... The sorrow of search. There's an angry, there's an angry god called Menarthetep. So maybe that's Menarthetep, Aherethetep, fucking just mushed together, yeah, just Nearlethetep. Oh, he's like that's maybe where he got the name from. Nearlethetep. The creature came to him in a dream. That's fine, but the influence where the name came from is probably this is probably where you know, he got it from. Yeah, I think that'll be the hardest part. Imagine you you create these creatures in your head, right? You have this imagination, but you can't find a good name for it. Because uh, the name matters. It does. Right? It really can't, fucking does. You can't have a fucking creature as epic and 
chaotic as, as this dude. And call him. It kind of reminds Scruffy. It kind of reminds me of the D the D and D episode from fucking Community, where Albert he cannot he creates these creatures, he creates <coughs> all these characters, beautiful story, but he can't think of names, so they're called like Zigzag and like Borg. <laughs> I completely forgot about the episode, yeah. Yeah. Fucking, okay, yeah. But in a letter sent in 1921, Lovecraft wrote about the dream he had that served as the basis for the poem An Outer God Near Lethotep. I had never heard the name Nearlethotep before, but seemed to understand the illusion. Nearlethotep was a kind of itinerant showman or lecturer who held forth in public halls and aroused widespread fear and discussion with his exhibitions. These exhibitions consisted of two parts. First, a horrible, possibly prophetic cinema reel and later some extraordinary experiments with scientific and electrical apparatuses. As I received the letter, I seemed to recall that Nearlethotep was already in Providence. I seemed to remember that persons had whispered to me in awe of his horrors and warned me not to go near him. As I left the house, I saw throngs of men plodding through the night all whispering affrightedly and bound in one direction. I fell in with them, afraid yet eager to see and hear the great, the obscure, the unutterable Neorlethotep. So when it comes to Lovecraft, the immediate thought is Cthulhu and his mythos of elder and outer gods. Gods that predate humanity and don't give a fuck about us. We are as insignificant to them as ants are to us. Lovecraft's writings and description of these monsters are beautiful and second to none at least to me. For example, this is a passage from the Call of Cthulhu. Everyone listened, and everyone was listening still when it lumbered, slobberingly into sight, and gropingly squeezed this gelatinous green immensity through the black doorway into the tainted outside air of that poisoned city of madness. Of the six men who never reached the ship, he thinks two perished of pure fright in that accursed instant. The thing cannot be described. There is no language for such abysms of shrieking and immemorial lunacy. Such eldritch contradictions 
of all matter, force, and cosmic order. A mountain walked, stumbled. God, what wonder that across the earth a great architect went mad and poor Wilcox raved with fever in that telepathic instant. The thing of the idols, the green sticky spawn of the stars, had awakened to claim his own. The stars were right again, and what an age-old cult had failed to do by design, a band of innocent sailors had done by accident. After vegetillions of years, great Cthulhu was loose again and ravening for delight. But what isn't beautiful are the monsters themselves oh boy and again thanks to connor who not only suggested the episode but also asked us who would fight in a like in a versus you know like cthulhu <clears throat> like who would like if these other gods would fight who would come out on top yeah like if there was a royal rumble of nothing but elder and outer gods who would win i think the easiest it's answer the- would just be, just be azathoth right yeah yeah, because like, well, that's just, unfair. Yeah, so we're not gonna do the whole who would win in a fight because Azathoth will f- beat the shit out of because he just yeah. blinks and the universe is gone. Yeah, and like you would think Cthulhu was like, oh yeah, he's a fucking no. I mean, he he's a beast, but to uh, us, to us, yeah. but he's he's he pretty much sh- a bitch. He ain't shit compared to the outer gods. He ain't even shit to them. Yeah, yeah. No, he's as he's as big as a building, which is horrible to us. But imagine. These fuckers are too big to live in a universe, and there's this little fucking thing that lives inside a little. Yeah. yeah, so we're not gonna do that because as a thought, he's literally a living black hole. He's <clears throat> a sentient black hole, and not only that, he's literally the father of almost everybody. Like when you think about it, like we go down the lineage, like Nyarlathotep, his son, yeah, Yaxthoth, uh, Thoth, the um, the the, the ominous, like the seer of all there is, was, and never will be, grandson, Cthulhu. The great old one who lies in the death-like slumber in the sucking city of Arlay, who when liberated from his sleep, would flame the earth with a holocaust of ecstasy and freedom. That's his great-great-grandson. So to make it, you know, so to, to make a better segment, me and my brother are going to give you the top five Cthulhu mythos monsters we would shit our joggers if we ever perceived such foul real quick and macabre monstrosities now the sequence of order doesn't matter up to you right i i I did from least from least scary to scary yeah okay for me it's just my top five right scariest yeah yeah, scariest monsters and scary in the rightful way so again the sequence of order doesn't matter so if i say number one is blah 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 doesn't mean he's it it doesn't mean he's scariest All all right So this is what I'm going off with. Starting off with number one. We have Egolanok. 
Igolanak? Igolanak? That's how you pronounce it. I think that's how you pronounce it. No, you're, you're thinking... You're thinking of Igolanak. The Y is, the y is pronounced like an I. Is it I? Yeah. Igolanak? Yeah, Igolanak. Uh, A.K.A. the Defiler. Now, he... He's built different, right? Literally. And this, he is built different. Now, we all mention each god, right? Outer, fucking elder, doesn't matter. They have their own ways of of, of functioning, right? You have uh, Nyarlathotep, who gets off, off of chaos. Uh, this guy, even the gods are like, yeah, this dude's a fucking perv. Yes, right. He 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 is your your creepy uncle, times a hundred. He is literally the god of perversion and depravity. Yeah, yeah, literally perversion and depravity. That's yeah. that's him. He's the epitome of that, and not just your quote unquote like average human perversions, right? <laughs> no, uh, it's it's worse. It's it's perversions that even the gods are like, damn. Yes. Dude, you're into that? Like, holy shit. Right? Now, his demeanor is like um, Nearlifthep in the sense of, like, he wants not. He wants to be in control. Yes. Right? He really wants to be in control, but not of chaos. But he wants to be literally in control of yes. whoever his victim is. He, he is a. The most perverted, dominating, sadistic, yes, son of a bitch. And this is why he's scary. Not only that, right? But he can shape, right? He can shape shift. He, he can transform. Like to to put it into terms, fucking pinhead uh, would be like, yo, bro, relax, bro, chill, chill, dude. chill. We get it, bro. We get it. Pinhead will be like, yo, no, you know what? We don't do that here. <laughs> we don't do that here. The Xenobites will be like, bro, what the <laughs> fuck? They get disgusting. You know, they'll be like, oh, bro, that's too much. And that's him, right? So Igolanak can sometimes be summoned merely by reading his name in the revelations of Glaaki. Now, Igolanak, this is what he seeks. He seeks humans, right, who read perverse and these forbidden literatures to become his servants. All right, first of all. I'm pretty sure these humans who are reading these perverse uh, books and stuff. Don't they're not on the same fucking level? Uh, this guy's built different. And the fucked up part is, right? Certain gods who were spawned by like servants, or 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 individuals who spawned these gods, right? They become servants or a priest. With this guy, you have fifty fifty. He would either make you a priest because he's like, yo, you're into my shit. You're into my categories, motherfucker. I, you a priest. Or he fucking eats you. In the most horrible most horrible ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there's sayings that they know his true form. Yeah, kind of like in the other time. Yeah, so he could shit shit, right? But when he wants to indulge in humans he shapeshifts into a i don't want to say human but a humanoid type of figure um here he's horrible he's a, a tall obese right body 
right? I'm talking about like, oh shit. Think of fat bastard. Yeah, but taller. Yeah. Think of yeah, fat bastard okay. if he was the size of the big show. Kane. Yeah. Huge as fuck, right? No head. No neck. <laughs> no neck. And with the mouth in the palm of each hand. Right. This is Igolanok. Right. Now I don't I didn't I didn't have the balls to go how deep and how descriptive his 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 sex dungeon is. Right? But I can imagine how grotesque his shit or how poor and 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 slow your death is gonna be if you get captured by so with the defiler yeah so with right you you chose i Golanok as your first one to me that's the scary he's the scariest one out of my list he was the big bad motherfucker yeah there's none scarier to me than i Golanok. And you, you you said it. This fucker is a night. He's, he's nightmare fuel on thick legs. Thick as fuck. How many? I think it's like infinite seas, bro. Infinite. Mm-hmm. The Cthulhu mm-hmm. seat. Like, he's a perverted, sadistic elder god. Like you said, he could just sometimes be mentioned just by. He could be summoned by just mentioning his name. And the thing about him is he's a he's imprisoned behind a wall of bricks. In his unknown ruins. And the elder gods are happy. That he's they're like alright cool. Somebody he's on him. earth? Cool bro. He's locked up over there? Cool. Nobody fuck with him. Like you mentioned his true form? Unknown. But he's often seen in a semi-human form. The grotesquely obese man. And Igolanok's thing. Like you said he, met, he seeks out naughty humans who read perverted and forbidden literature he likes to torture to create suffering pain and absolute domination is the energy this freaky little fat boy is into here this is right here's a passage Uh describing Igolanok even the minions of the Cthulhu mythos dare not utter the sounds that define the name Igolanok for fear of conjuring the great defiler from its abstracted prison of bricks in some nameless place once more to walk amongst those who have the capacity for sanity and rational thought with vile possession it can take any host with the singular hunger to rape consume and destroy all that it covets most pain. <laughs> the motherfuckers that believe in Cthulhu are like, you know what? Don't say it. their whole thing is mentioning Cthulhu's name. Ia Ia Cthulhu Fatagan to wake this motherfucker up to end the earth. And these motherfuckers don't even mention, won't even dare to mention Igolox's name. The one that should not be named. Because like he th- like my man, like he thrives on invading your thoughts, eating on your memories and feasting on your motives and urges of anything. His sole existence is to ruin. Damn. That's his fucking thing. Just fucking shit up. If you have evil in your heart and you read 
and you read its name from the right text, then a portal is opened to the place where Igolanak exists. Incarcerated, waiting patiently for the moment to walk amongst man and give birth to bedlam and havoc. I'm going to end the episode with a passage from one of my sources describing Igolanak. But we're going to talk. Um, we're gonna end the episode with that. Wow! So in your list, he's 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 the number one. He was my number like, one. He's none is scarier. Only because his thing is, it's just like you cannot barter with him. Yeah. Maybe with other gods, you might come up with something like, "Oh, see, I'll." The only way you can, I think, barter with him is if you're into what he's into, and no one's into that. No one's into that. No, no one's one. No that. one's into that. Like it's it's that's why he doesn't have a huge uh, follow. He hasn't. Yeah, no one follows him. Yeah. Yeah, but I go and like that's literally he horrible. The def- the defiler was is a perfect nickname for him. The defiler. Now second, right? So I go and scary because of what he does. He looks scary as well, but more of his action. That's just like oh, now this guy right here. He's scary. I'm scared shitless. The way it looks, right? And it goes by the name of Gatonothoa, the first offspring of Cthulhu. Now, here's a description of this guy, all right? And I quote, I might call it a gigantic, tentacled, right? Proboscidean, octopus eyed, semi amorphous, plastic, partly squamous, and partly ragoose. Ugh. <laughs> but nothing I could say could even compare to the loathsome, unholy, non-human, extra-galactic horror and hatefulness and unutterable evil of that forbidden spawn of black chaos and illimitable night. As I write these words, the associated mental image causes me to lean back, faint, and feel nauseated. Right, I'm going to go back to this description. Gigantic. Right, Put this in your head. So close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. All right. Follow my voice of this horrendous image. Gigantic. Tentacled. Octopus-eyed. Semi-amorphous. Plastic. I repeat, plastic. So not only imagine its visual, but picture its scent. Partly squamous. And partly for goose. Right? If you could somehow imagine all these in one, right? Even then, this is more grotesque than the way this motherfucker was described. It's pretty bad. Now, it's so fucking bad. It's so hideous. Okay, so fucking repulsive that anyone, right? You mentioned this earlier early in the podcast that it's a split where like some people look at gods and stuff and nothing happens and others they go insane right and this guy falls under that one people go insane so it's so hideous that anyone who gazes upon it okay or even there's a even if someone a, a, a deity right could somehow replicate a perfect replica of this creature right that's how 
bad it is. It, it could still cause the same effect, right? That that whatever looks at it is petrified into a living mummy. Now the victim is permanently immobilized, the body taking on the consistency of leather and the internal organs and brains preserved indefinitely, which means, right, that they are fully aware throughout this whole you know, experience. And the only way that's you, you you see this shit and you become mummified, the only way you can be free from this torment, right, is one, you kill this creature, which <laughs> so I'm saying cannot be done. Yeah. Good luck on that. Or if they take you if they like a zombie, you fucking blow, right? Let's say you're mummified, right? And you want to be free. I literally have to blow your fucking brains out. Gotta take you out. You're done, son. Shit, I'll do that shit without fucking without even hesitating, yeah? Or 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 if you somehow find this magic scroll. Where can you find this scroll? I don't know. You gotta talk to uh, uh, Niar Lethotep, right? Because he, he's a mediator. Right? He, he, he is. He's, he's, he's the, the middleman. Yeah, he, he's the middleman. He, he's literally the, the the galactic messenger, essentially to other gods. Other gods tell him to, "Hey, yo, fucking Earth, tell blah 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 that he's dead," and he'll go and be like, "Yo, this dude loves you. <laughs> Praise him." And then the gods like that son of a bitch, right? That's how. That's how you know, that's how works. works, you know, that son of a bitch. And yeah, so I chose him. I chose uh, fucking fucking it's Gatanothoa, right? The first offspring of Cthulhu, right? <laughs> first of all, Cthulhu. Who's fucking Cthulhu? Oh, no, nah. who are you fucking, bro? Who are you fucking? Yeah, his Cthulhu's wife or if you were to call her his wife, yeah, her the wife. mother. Oh, it's, it's, it's literally just a ball of tentacles. Yeah. Yeah. And very fucking violent. Yeah. And and supposedly that's the creature from the mist. When you see tentacles. Yeah. It's the Cthulhu's yeah. wife. She's so aggressive. Yeah, she's Yeah. Yeah, she's giving birth to these fucking ugly children. Yeah. yeah. It's disgusting. And the reason why I have him on this list is literally ugly. because of how he looks. Yeah. How it looks. So it's scary to look at. You know, so for my first entry, there's being the least one I'm worried about encountering. The least worried, yeah, the one I'm least worried. It's scary, but I'm out of my five. He's the least. He's the one I'm less worried. Okay. I'm worried about, and it's the outer god, Lukthu. Mm. The birth womb of all the great old ones. An elder god recently created, so Lovecraft has no idea that somebody gave us Cthulhu a mommy. James Ambuel debuted Luke Thu in his, 98, in his 1998 short story, Correlated Contents. So Luke Thu is described as, as a titanic mass of entrails and internal organs. Oh boy. From afar, it's this moist globe full of warts covered in a cobweb of tunnels inside and out. There's no, it's just a ball, just a ball of guts and blood and warts. So it's like entrails. Yes. But when you get a closer look, that's when you realize the horror that is Luke through. 
because each little warp, which is completely covered in, is an actual Elder God egg. And those tunnels serve as a biological incubator. So this to look through is this planet-sized ball of blood and guts and organs covered in nothing but elder god eggs. And all it does is just travel through space spitting these motherfuckers out. And these eggs land in land in planets, and probably that's how we got Cthulhu on Earth. So imagine seeing a one-eyed moisty planet made up of guts and gore and it's covered in warts that house baby other gods that's Lukathu for you so for me threat level from 1 to 10 it's a 10 yeah, this, no doubt about that this bitch is covered in Pukatulu's 10 but she's literally the size of a planet that lives in space and I don't see myself going into space anytime soon. So, personal, immediate danger from a scale of 1 to 10? A 3. Nah. A 3. I'm good. Yeah, like, I, I, I ain't stressing over this I, motherfucker. I, 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 yeah, I ain't stressing over Luke, too. But, I mean, I should be, but I'm not. Yeah. So, she, so Luke, too, she's the, you know, number 5 on my list. 5 being the least one. Number 1 being, you know. The defiler who was the one I'm more scared of meeting. Yeah. yeah. Well, you mentioned him the second we started this segment on Battle of the Monsters 1v1, right? Who will win overall? As a thought. As a thought, right? And it's scary because of how powerful. And ignorant this god is. And how insignificant anything is to, is to him. Right? And this is why. Right? This is a description of Azathoth. For those who don't know who this guy is. This thing. Alright? So he is a cosmic and boundless deity of a colossal. I repeat, colossal proportion. Right? Of the great and all-powerful ruler of the outer gods. Right. He runs this bitch. I'm telling you, he gave birth. I, mentioned, I broke down his lineage. <laughs> <laughs> the outer gods are so scared that they have other gods fucking playing the pokey flute on this motherfucker. Play, to keep him asleep. To keep him asleep. Because the second it wakes up, in an instant. If he blinks, the universe is gone. Yeah. He's called the idiot god for that reason. For that reason. But it he doesn't do it on purpose. On purpose in the sense of like, oh, time to fuck shit up. Right? It's like me moving my hand here on this table and there's billions of fucking living things here and I just destroyed it all in yeah. the blink of an eye. That's the universe. <laughs> Hence why he's also called the idiot god or the blind god for that reason. Right? He's that powerful. Bro, imagine the pressure of being the drummer, because he because it's 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 out it's outer gods who are banging on drums that keep him asleep, right? Yeah. Imagine the pressure of being that guy, 
Is there a shift? Is it just one dude? Or is there like shifts of people coming in? No, there's a fuck ton playing. So basically like an orchestra playing for his ass. And I doubt there's uh, any... any uh, shift. Uh, uh, shit, I got a 9-5. Fuck. Uh, right. <laughs> no, you're, uh, right, you're honey, there till. All right, honey, I'm going to work. I'm trying to yeah. keep us all alive. Yeah, yeah. Trying yeah. To keep, I'm trying to keep this black hole from swallowing us all. And, and according to Lovecraft, this is what trips me out, right? According to Lovecraft, this is his his take on this creation, okay? Is that all of us, what we think, what reality is, whether from the planets to the galaxies to the universe, right? Is merely, right, a part of... Of Azathoth's dream. dream. That, that's how. That, that no that's sense. how. It's that type of question where you ask yourself right before you go to sleep. I'm like, shit, what's gonna happen when I die? Or when you're in that deep thought and you, if I die, I'm just gonna go black screen. Like, and then you start freaking yourself out. Oh, I hate that when that happens. Yeah, this is kind of equivalent. It's like we're not even real. Like, we're we're just. We're, that. we're part of this motherfucker's yeah. memes. And and that's the reason why it, I think in my perspective he has his own right of to be. I mean the thought of being part of the dream is scary but like your type of uh, description of being scared right? Now it's going to be instant. So am I going to stress off of this? Nah. Uh, Alright, if he wakes up, he's just I'm yeah. I'm done. Right? But Compared to the old ones or the elders who their job is to yeah. destroy the, our planet and we're yeah. gonna witness and feel that. Compared to like the uh, outer god this powerful witness. As a thought, he's just he's just an infinite existential crisis for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's all fucking horrible. And that's why he's uh, on this list. So another god created after the death of Lovecraft is the Yib Still. The Yib Still is a frightful creature that lives in the center that lives in the center of time and watches the universe. Its blood, called the Black, is so deadly. That it's a horrible weapon of choice that takes the form of snowflakes that smothers the victim to which it sticks on. Get a load of this. It's a dark, tentacled creature. This is literally what it looks like. Picture a pregnant, the body of a pregnant chihuahua. <laughs> Long okay. body, little arms, little legs. Yeah. But standing up. Okay. With a wrinkly alien head, hmm. too small for its body, with eyes that are detached from its head. They're oh. they're just floating with large bat wings that cover its infinite number of breasts. It's a titty monster. Whoa. Breasts which night guns can be found. Sucking on. It's this huge creature with wings that cover its body. And then when it opens up, you see a fucking titties. Yeah, just night, night guns flying out of it. Just because they're feasting on them. 
Gib would be higher on my list if it wasn't an outer god. Because this fucker is frightening. Threat level? Six. Because he watches everything, he knows everything. Personal danger? I give it a five. Okay. Just because he's watching me. He, like if, he's watching me talking shit right now. So, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, you ain't scared of me, motherfucker? He's literally living... You're on that shit list? Yeah, yeah. You're on that shit list. Yeah, there you go. That's why I'm like... Yeah. No. Yeah, that's... that's, that's hmm. Knowing everything and being in touch with everything, right? I think that's a shitty curse. You think there will be more pros or cons? I think there will be more cons than pros. Cool. You get some cool knowledge. You, you, you get to know stuff. But there's some serious stuff I don't fucking give a shit about. You get me? Yeah. Right? Or is it just me? No, I, yeah. Like, Star Wars. I don't give a shit about Star Wars. I know a lot about Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Don't give a shit about Star Wars. Yeah. No, no, no. Up next on my list. People are like, what the fuck? <laughs> Well, I'm just saying because that, that, that was his power, right? He knows that creature. Yeah. yeah, he knows everything, right? So it's like, a, I would not want to know everything. Um, I mentioned Azathoth, right? And then we talked about his offspring a lot, right? Nyarlathotep. Nyarlathotep. And he is rightful on, rightfully on my list for that reason. All the reasons that we just yeah. described throughout this episode, right? So just a recap. Nyarlathotep, Nyarlathotep, he is an evil outer god who is seen as a shape-shifting agent of madness, chaos, and ruin who serves the other outer gods, right? Specifically, mainly, his father, Azathoth, which is crazy because most of these gods, they're asleep. But they could still some they could still they communicate telepathically. Yeah. Which is crazy. Right? Cause you would think if they could teleport, they'll be like, ah, I'm just gonna wake up. So But then so, again, he can't wake up. So here so so like to just to touch up on that, that's an interesting thing. <clears throat> when you think about Cthulhu, that all the other gods are able to talk to each other telepathically, right? Yeah. Except for Cthulhu, because he's underwater. And Lovecraft in his story says that some that, that how much he hates the water. Lovecraft hates the ocean. He hates the beach. That's why most of his monsters have... They're all squids. He hates anything that comes from the water. Right? So his creatures are... They, they, they are born from that fear. Right? They are, born, they are born from his fear. And he uses that fear... To kind of handicap Cthulhu. Because he says... We don't know what it is. But something about water... Really fucks with the Elder and Outer Gods... Which is why Cthulhu can't communicate with anybody else, which is why he's asleep forever. Because his telepathy can't get through the waves. Something about water that just fucks with the Elder Gods and the communication. That's <clears throat> why Cthulhu's underwater and he, that's why all these fucking cultists, they're all literally calling them, yeah, yeah, Cthulhu, Fatagin, and he can't hear them. You know, normally other gods could hear everything, they could see everything, or be awake, but Cthulhu, for some for some odd reason, this water is like, nope. Cuts off the Wi-Fi. <laughs> like, turn off the router. It's, it's a like, fucking dead zone? It's a fucking dead zone, yeah. 
Yeah, but that, yeah, but going back to like that the other that they could they, they could speak they're asleep because but can still communicate telepathically. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh Yeah, so that's his job, right? He's like I like we say earlier, he 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 is a message the uh the messenger boy, the mediator between these gods, especially his father. Right? And what makes him scary in my books is because he enjoys manipulating everything. He doesn't care who Everyone you are and anyone. Right? He doesn't care if you're God or you're human. He doesn't care if you host a podcast or you are responsible for keeping the universe alive. Mm-hmm. He will fuck with you. And this goes back to what you stated earlier. Um, early in the episode, you stated that uh, there's no good or evil. Right? Yeah. In general, there's no good or evil. Right? They don't with, care with whether Lovecraft, or not. Yeah, with Lovecraft's original monsters, his his, yeah. his pantheon, <clears throat> the creatures he created, there's no good and evil. That that takes a turn with August Derleth when he Christianizes it and he yeah. makes them evil, good, and things like that. Well, aside from that, I feel like Again, these are galactic fucking creatures, right? They don't know what good or evil is. Yeah, they, yeah. Ju- they just exist. Yeah. But I feel it kind of makes sense when we call things evil, when we're, when it's based on human, right? Human ideologies and human uh, yeah. uh, mindset and knowledge. Now, I'm, I'm talking about like, in real life, but I'm saying like in that realm, it kind of makes sense, yeah. right? Other gods are like, yeah, we don't give a shit, like bad, evil, color. But us humans, we have this creation of what's good and what's evil. And you're telling me there's a god out there who's gonna fucking who, who fucking rapes and blah blah blah. That's evil, right? To him, it's like, nah, I'm just you know chilling, doing yeah. stuff, right? That's just what I do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's me, there's me, a creation. Yeah, yeah. Me, 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 bro, I'm just vibing. Yeah, so being a god destruction. Is evil in the eyes of humanity. people of humanity. So that's my little take on it. It's like, well, it kind of makes sense. Like in our head, us fucking mortal yeah. mind. It's like, oh, that's evil. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, see, but yeah, and, and the reason why they're not evil is because they're not they're not destroying us for destroying us. It's just like that's, that's what they do. It's like you're not gonna call mountain uh, a mountain evil because of fucking every year. It fucking the ice fucking avalanche kills people. The mountain's not evil. It's just that's what happens. There's a lot of ice on the mountain. People fuck with the mountain. The avalanche happens and it kills people. That doesn't mean the mountain's evil. It's just that's just an, un, an, an, an unfortunate outcome, which is kind of how you have to see these Lovecraft's monsters. Yeah. In that same kind of like I mentioned earlier in the episode with, with the ocean. I don't give a fuck. You're the president of a fucking country. Or you're a homeless person. If you got a billion dollars, or if you got no money, if you're there at the wrong place, at the wrong time, gone. Yeah, fucking GG, man. And again, the reason why this dude's on the list is, in, in my own opinion, someone who deceives people and just pretends, "Hey, I'm a nice guy," put a smile. You trust him, and then he fucks you, right? He fucks you over. I'm like, damn, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. And this guy does it to he, everybody. He does that to everyone, and he enjoys it. <laughs> he enjoys that. 
that's what he does, you know? And he doesn't want anything out of it. The only thing he wants out of it is that emotion of despair and being demoralized. He, he gets off on the, I got you. That face of like, oh. I'm hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. Major turn on for this guy. And if anyone besides, I mean, any gods could be the destruction of Earth. But if anyone would be a destroyer of Earth on Earth, it'll be second to Cthulhu. This guy. You're left tap. You're left tap. So that's why he's on this list, that chaos motherfucker. Yeah. So when I was going through this list, whether it was this list or talking about creatures, I kind of avoided talking about Lovecraft's monsters. <clears throat> okay, because I wanted I, I I didn't want this episode to be a Lovecraft episode, more of a Cthulhu mythos episode. You know what I mean? That's why I talked. That's why we talked about Cthulhu. We talked about Nightgoms. We talked about Neon Lethotep, which are Lovecraft monsters. But we also talked about you know the fucking um, I the Lukthu and the Yib still. You know what I mean? Like creatures that were created after. And I want to talk about one that Lovecraft created that really that kind of that's scary. Like I would not want to fuck. I, I would not want to see this motherfucker. And I'm talking about the Elder God, the Father of all serpents. I'm talking about Yig. And according to Lovecraft, and according to you know Yig's lore, the Great Old One, he was worshipped. It was worshipped in Central America and here in the United States. He's this like anth- semi-anthropomorphic fig- figure, kind of, and is incredibly, incredibly protective of his serpent offspring, and will throw hands at a moment's notice if you dare to even think of harming his little babies. So his thing is, he will. He's this. So there's different stories. Different his stories deal with. People telling the legends of him, right? There's the legends of him, the Central American legends, and the, and the the legends from the southern states of the United States, southern states of the U.S. So there's different variations of of Yig. Sometimes he's this just large snake. Think of anaconda, huge snake. And other times he's this buff dude with the head of a snake. You know what I mean? So that's. That's the scary thing, and the only thing he—the only thing he gives a shit about—are his baby snakes. He's the father of all snakes. If you don't mess with the snakes, he is not gonna mess with you, right? He's described as either being like a snake with little hind legs, or like I said, a scaly humanoid with the head of a snake. Yig is special because unlike Cthulhu, any of the other gods, Yig is the master of staying in his lane. He won't bother you. If you won't, as long as you don't bother him or his babies. So in the story, the curse of Yig, Yig goes through this feeding frenzy that lasts three months, where his appetite is insatiable, but the townsfolk drum constantly through those months to try and keep him away. So that's that's the, that's the tell of the story. But you know, it's just again drumming. I don't know. If, I don't know. If fucking Lovecraft hated drummers. But or that he loved drummers so much that he uses them to defeat fucking these elder gods. How how funny would it be if Lovecraft was just sitting there thinking of ideas like what can be his weakness, and he hears drum practice or something. He's like, shut. 
They're just fucking play, they're playing the intro for down for down with the sickness from the stir. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, Ye goes to this freezing, you know, so he goes to this feeding frenzy or whatever. So even though he, his threat level is pretty low, because he only attacks you if you attack first, the personal immediate danger is higher for me. Because well, I'm scared of snakes. Well, I'm dumb. And I don't like snakes. <clears throat> so chances are my stupidity would anger Yeg. And since he's on Earth and not in space, there's a more likely chance of Yig fucking, you know, me meeting Yig. Yeah. So on my list, he's scary because I, I hate snakes and he's this huge snake creature thing. Or think of Machamp, or think of Machoke from Pokemon, but with the head of a fucking Arbok. Damn, that's scary as shit. Yeah, that's that's what Yig, that's what Yig sometimes looks like. So yeah, so to me that was that's something like all right, yep. Threat level, personal danger, pretty high because I'm kind of stupid. And it's in the southern United States, southern California. Like, <laughs> Chances are higher for me to meet Yig than just, it is. You, you see else. a snake and just be cool. Give some water, tell you that I said, what's up? Huge fan. <laughs> tell your pops I'm a huge fan. How the fuck are we going to have a... An episode of Lovecraft's monsters, and not include the one monster, the monster, the monster. Now it may not be the most powerful monster in this mythos, but it is named after this fucking mythos. The one and only Cthulhu himself. Cthulhu himself. And you know what's? And I try what? 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 No, go on. And I tried avoiding this monster, but. I just can't. How can we talk about something that revolves around this guy, right? That this dude started it all. That started it all. Started it all. What were you gonna say? In hindsight, in hindsight, like when when you zoom out, Cthulhu ain't shit. He ain't shit. Yeah. If if Cthulhu would awake in terms of ranking their powers against other guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 in, In terms of scale, like. I mean, even then, if he wakes up, we could just, we could just, the United States will fuck him up. Just the U.S. Army. Like, we will, we will fuck. Modern Army? Yeah, we will just, like, Pacific Rim, fuck you. Like, sending robots? Why don't you just fucking bomb the fuck out of them? But no, you wanted to send robots? No, there was a reason. I I think the nukes opened. More I, don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck shit. it is, but. I love Pacific Rim because it was just fucking robots punching the fuck out of Cthulhu. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but Yeagers like, versus fucking... Yeah, yeah, but like in terms of scale, Cthulhu ain't shit in terms of like power. But influence and like anything else, he's the big dick. Yeah. 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 And this is why he is scary. All right. Not only is he awesome, right? And I just need to include Cthulhu because he is one of our imminent dangers here on Earth. Right, he's the god who will destroy this earth, guaranteed. Aside from Narlethotep, whenever he gets bored. Yeah, but you know, so Cthulhu. In most of the stories, Cthulhu lays dormant, deep, deep under the ocean, within the second city of Arlay. Arlay, 
but can still influence the world. Now, this is where the telepathy kicks in. Now, maybe it's blocked off to other gods, but Cthulhu has his own little minions, his squad. Mm-hmm. And this is where he can influence and talk to the Deep Ones, which is now the creation, other creatures that are yeah. minions of Cthulhu. The Dagons. And Dagon himself, another elder god who dwells in the ocean. Now, it is said that once Cthulhu is fully awakened, he shall rise from the depths and end the world. Now, thankfully for humanity, Cthulhu has yet to do so. Okay, however... He came close in the 1920s when a group of sailors came across his sunken city of Arlay, which had been brought to the surface by the alignment of the stars. They opened up one of the most strangest buildings they've ever seen. Only for Cthulhu to exit this building and attack them. Now the creature only halted its attack when the sailors used its weapons to cut Cthulhu in half. As he sailed away, they could see Cthulhu reforming into a wholesome and bigger and bigger creature. Now, the world would have ended then but for the fact that Arlay suddenly sunk as the stars moved out of position, the resulting powerful current not only dragged Cthulhu into the building he had been trapped in, but also closed the door behind him, thus trapping him yet again. It's the call of Cthulhu. It's the call of Cthulhu. That's why this motherfucker's scary. They chopped his motherfucker in half when he was barely, you know, <laughs> exiting and being weak. And he was regenning and becoming bigger and bigger, ready to end the fucking world. Now, how mad was this motherfucker? Wake up and you start like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, finally, I'm free. And you get sucked back into the building. And you're fucked. I'm mean, back to me. Yeah, and I think, the all, I think, the, I think those old stars only align ever, like, it's rare. Yeah, it's extremely like- rare. Yeah. And that is the reason why I want to end my list with one and only Cthulhu. Now, I know most people try straight away from, uh, like you said, they, they you want to you know, talk about different creatures, but I just, I couldn't. <laughs> I, I couldn't. couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I need to talk I respect it. I respect about it. Cthulhu. So I was like, you know what? Cthulhu. So, so this last one, I mentioned this one earlier. And it's also known as the Skinwalker, created by Durleth, and debuted in the short, The Thing That Walked on the Wind. Ithaqua is higher on my list for a few reasons. One, it has been reported to be found as far north of the Arctic down to the sub-Arctic, where it hunts down travelers and kills them in the most macabre ways. And if you know me, you know I'm a slut for cold weather, so chances of Ithaqua and me meeting... Just got a little higher. Oh, boy. Secondly, this humanoid creature with red eyes in the story Ithaqua is said to have inspired the legend of the Wendigo 
he has a coat that aids him in his foul biddings. Small in size, the coat is feared in the far north. Everyone from Siberia to Canada to Alaska, they fucking, they're scared of this cult. Why? Because those who join the cult are said to be granted the power to be immune to extremely cold weather. Hmm. So they help Ithaqua fuck people up and then never get cold. <laughs> so not only do I have to worry about this fucking sully looking iced elder god, but I have his fucking fan club to worry about too. It's also rumored that he likes to have sex with humanoid females to create offspring that will help him free the other elder gods. That's what Ithaka wants. He wants to roam around and wake up all the elder gods. But rumors circulate that this fucker, he's just lonely and he wants someone to hang out with, which none of his children do as they all eventually just dip out on him. Dad, you're, uh, you're, you're kind of fucking whack, dude. You're fucking square. <laughs> Dang it, they call him a square? Yeah, so... Ithaqua is this huge banshee-looking... You know, he's basically just a fucking abominable snowman, but he's just an elder god, and he has a cult, you know, that just follows him around. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what makes him scary, that he travels from all... He's not... He's not he's not stationed in one spot like Cthulhu. He's not trapped in somewhere like fucking um <clears throat> like Igolanok, you know what I mean? Yeah. He goes to Canada, to Siberia, to Alaska. He's dip everywhere. He travels. He travels, you know. He's 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 cultured. But earlier in the episode when we we're talking about Igolanok, I wanted to say I wanted to leave a small excerpt to end the episode with. Yeah. So before I end the episode, I want to say thank you all. This has been a fun episode. Archie's not with us today because he has to do a bunch of he had to do a bunch of things with school and he needed to catch up. And uh, you know, so we gave you guys a dose of horror when it comes to Lovecraft. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. All these pictures, all these monsters, everything you guys want to see or hear that we've talked about, you guys can find on our Instagram, Weird History and Retail's Pod. There's one more outer god. I guess honorable mention. I forgot his name. But he just he's like a meatball traveling space just singing. Oh, that's what you were telling me earlier, huh? Yeah. Singing. His job, all he does, he's vibing and just singing. But this song is uh I guess an a song that's powerful song it's a powerful song that sleeping dormant gods wake up to wake up to that can wake up a dormant god so if you if this by this creature if this meatball will fly close enough to, to earth if he, yeah if he flies close to any planet or near fucking azathoth and somehow plays this song and sings whatever and wakes these gods see that's scary I mean, it can't, it can't wake up Azathoth. Because Azathoth lives outside of space. Whatever the fuck that means. True. True. <laughs> true. true. This guy travels in space. Yeah. Azathoth is out. Whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. He's just a big, big He lives in the Matrix. Hole. I don't know yeah. what the fuck. Yeah. So, that, I, I found that funny. This dude just traveling out. Just... 
Just singing, singing, just singing the mañanitas, just singing the mañanitas. Yeah, waking up every sleeping god. Fuck, he's a rooster. <laughs> Six a.m. waking everyone up. All right, Fuck. Yeah. carry on, carry on. So I'll post a picture of him as well with with, with his fucking name. Yeah. He, it's probably something like Ibsibeth, whatever, whatever. You know. So we're gonna end the episode with this excerpt. Thank you guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. For humans, its arrival is disembodied, a presence, a voice, until it either kills or takes possession of the maniac who has summoned it. Possession results in a grotesque transformation. The body swells, the head caves in and melts away, and a viciously fanged maw opens up in the palm of each hand. Note, anybody bitten by these hand mouths find the wounds never heal, and they go on to suffer terrible nightmares and attacks of anxiety thereafter. In its purest form, there is no negotiating with a Golanak. No appealing to a thread of human vanity. And absolutely no mercy. I, Golanak, does not hesitate to think or consider. It is swift, brutal, and relentless.